Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. So I was in the shower, I was cleaning my ass and making all the dirt off sparkly spanking clean. I'm not the funny one, I'm the pretty one. Cock shots. <laughs> I just checked myself out. Music, wine, and then loop up. The glory hole is like a, a like dick theater. I imagine you're gonna. Which means your pants had better come off. Mama needs playtime. We're not sluts. We just love love. Hello, hello, hello to all you podcast listeners. And all you who are not podcast listeners. Um, then why are they listening? They were tricked or they got into a <laughs> they got into a, a car that they were uh-huh. picking up oh, to do yeah. um, parking. Like valet. Valet. That's the word. Yeah, yeah. This is going to be a great night for Bradford. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of By the By. You've made it another week. We've made it another week. So it's been touch and go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And uh, we're back. Yes. So, yeah. If you are in Sydney this Friday, we have a pendulum party coming up this Friday. So you're listening to this on Wednesday. It's not tomorrow, but it's the day after tomorrow. And you should definitely come. Yes. So on the 28th. Yes, of May. At our secret spot. Which is, you know, everyone's secret spot. It's going to be the 19th pendulum party. Can you believe it? Really? You did the math? Well, it's pretty easy, but yeah. Counting is hard. Uh, I don't have to count because I can look at what the last pendulum was. Oh. Lawrence tells me. Oh, that's cheating. <laughs> well done, Lawrence. Math. Uh-huh. Uh, math. Anyway, yeah, so 19. Holy shitballs. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. How are you doing? Are you ready for tonight? I'm ready for tonight. I Today, whatever time people are listening to this. Or, yeah, that's right. That's Morning, right. who knows, you know. Are you ready for what's ahead? I have had a little bit of alcohol tonight, so I'm pretty excited. I feel like I'm on. Okay. Um, I just had a couple of really good rounds of Fortnite. Mm-hmm. If you're a Fortnite player, <laughs> I'm sorry. If you're not a Fortnite player, fucking don't judge me. Um, I like Fortnite. Squishy Fish 1691. That's my username. Find me. <laughs> Message me first because I don't. I don't accept friends that I don't know. But yeah. if you're like, oh, I heard you on the podcast, then I'll be like, yeah, Squishy Fish. There you go. 1691. <laughs> do we all know why 1691 is important? Well, it's a great sexual position. It's a great sex position. <laughs> there you go. If you don't know, now you know. You know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Educating educating Fortnite players. <laughs> I'm not sure that many will get that, but yeah. That's fine. Yeah. I'm pretty, pretty sure nobody will get it. <laughs> except our listeners who are fucking pervs and I love them. Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so tonight we're going to do something a little different. If you are a listener of other podcasts, you might come across a podcast called No Such Thing as a Fish. And while we aren't taking their format completely, we're sort of doing their format of little facts, and then we're going to talk about facts that we found out about those facts kind of thing. Related facts. Related facts. And where they will have the 
favorite fact of the week that they've read. We are just looking at facts about porn. Yeah. So we have compiled uh, some facts about the history of porn, and I'm going to say the modern history of porn. We're not going back into ancient times at this point. We so can, far. We can do that at some point in the future, but right now we're just focusing on the more recent history of porn. And so I will go ahead and preface this by saying that when we talk about pornography or erotica, we mean animation, magazines, writing, film, video, and potentially video games, but not live performances. Which makes sense because I would call that burlesque. Right. So it encompasses a lot of things, but not live performances. Yeah, that makes sense. That's theater I want to see, though. (laughs) So one of the first things that I found about pornography is the word pornography, ending in IE, was first used in France in the 1800s and entered the English language uh, familiarly. Familiarly, Easy for you to say. Yeah, really easy for me to say. In either 1857 or 1842. There's a little bit of, I'm not sure which of those it actually was. There's some contention there. But somewhere in the mid-1800s is when it became commonly used in the English language. And just to give you an idea as to the impact of pornography on society, in 2014, so this was a while ago, And I imagine it's only more now, but in 2014, the U.S. porn industry was estimated to bring in more than $13 billion, which is $3,075 every second. And just to put that into perspective, in 2018, Jeff Bezos made $2,950 per second. Okay, so he made $2,950, and how much does porn make? $3,075. 2014, 2018, and now we're in 2021, so some differences. So, but, I mean, come on. He made as much as porn brings in every second. The, the issue I have with this is not the issue of people like, oh, porn makes so much money. It's that, holy shit, those poor individuals, there's a lot more people making porn yeah. than Jeff Bezos. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, it's spread out a lot more. Fuck that guy. I hate him. Um, he should pay lots and lots of taxes. Agreed with that. So- like, uh, yeah, that's just, that's yeah. disgusting. So just to put that in perspective. Yeah. So, yeah. So the U.S. porn industry is massive. And of course, there's porn industries all over the world. Sure. So, yeah. But anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. There we go. So that's just kind of our baseline starting off. There's our intro to porn. <laughs> the intro to porn is like, holy shit, they make a lot of money. Uh-huh. But they don't. Like. Individually. Individually, yeah. they don't. Yeah. But the industry makes a good amount of change. Yeah. Okay. 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 Mm-hmm. What do you have? uh all right, so we're going to get into this now? Sure. Let's let's dig a little deeper. In the 1940s, the word pinup was coined to describe pictures torn from men's magazines and calendars and pinned up on the wall by U.S. soldiers in World War II. While in the 40s, the images focused mostly on legs, by the 50s, the emphasis shifted to breasts. And Betty Grable and Marilyn Monroe were two of the most popular pinup models. Happy birthday, Mr. President. <laughs> Poor Marilyn. Yeah. That's uh yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's interesting. Yeah. I think I'm still a fan of the pinup style mm-hmm. of ladies where they're mostly clothed and they might be holding their breasts or something really wickedly low cut, so I totally appreciate that. It's suggestive. It's yeah. not as in your face. So the two most famous magazines featuring pinups and centerfolds are Playboy and Penthouse. Yes. Playboy magazine was founded in 1953 by Hugh Hefner and some others. Okay. It was partially funded by a $1,000 loan from his mother. Also, his brother and some other folks chipped in. I think it was like 8000 in total or something like that. Good job, Mom. Yeah, yeah. 
good, you know, way to support your children. Uh, so in addition to pictures and centerfolds, it contained short stories and cartoons. The novel Fahrenheit 451 by Ray Bradbury was published in 1953 and serialized in the March, April, and May 1954 issues of Playboy. Oh God, I'd love to have a copy of those. <laughs> That's fucking epic. So anybody who knows me knows that that is my favorite book of all times. Uh-huh. Uh, I think that Ray Bradbury is a fucking genius. And if you haven't read Fahrenheit 451, you are doing yourself a great disservice. And what I love about that more than anything is the book is about censorship, which I think is such a that's so on point for the the discussion at hand. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of cool. Yeah. I did not know that. I thought you would enjoy that. That's fucking cool. Yeah. Uh, so then moving on to Penthouse. So Penthouse Magazine was founded in 1965 by, and okay, as we go through this, I'll probably get some of these names and words and titles and things wrong. So I'm sorry. I'll do my best. Uh, but it was founded by Bob Guccione in the UK. Okay. It was, he first did it to subsidize his art career. He was one of the first photographers for Penthouse. And yeah, it was meant to compete with Playboy. So Penthouse came to the U.S. in 1969, so four years later, and the writing and the stories in Penthouse were more investigative, so like government cover-ups and scandals and less kind of uh, novels and short stories and cartoon-type stuff. That's really interesting. Yeah, but the difference, though, is that in Penthouse, it was the first time that women would look indirectly at the camera. So the change of the emphasis was really influential in erotic portrayals of women. So rather than looking, you know, down the barrel of the camera. Right. It was more voyeuristic. It was. It was. And so Penthouse was also the first magazine to publish pictures that included pubic hair and full frontal nudity, which was also very revolutionary at the time. So it feels like they kind of took what Playboy started and then pushed it to the next level and a what bit. what year was that? That was in 69 is when it came to the U.S. So... Mine was in 1974, mm-hmm. Larry Flint published the first Hustler. Okay. So Hustler took everything that Penthouse and Playboy started and basically ramped it up to about a million degrees. <laughs> uh, so Larry Flint showed non-penetrative sex in the beginning, but then penetrative sex later. But mm. the most important thing was he was showing interracial couples. He was showing same-sex couples. He basically didn't care about the what was okay at the time right. he wanted to, to present what well realistically what sold and so he sold some very hardcore very kind of risque porn really edgy at the time. very yeah. edgy at the time yeah that's cool so it is interesting to see the evolution even of the magazines. And yeah. and of course, you know, they would all evolve as time goes on. But just to see how like, you know, one starts it, another pushes it a bit more, the other pushes it a bit more. And then it the, they all kind of have to adapt or die, you know. So interestingly enough, back to Larry Flint, for the more than the first 30 years, Flint sent a copy of Hustler to every member of Congress. So there was a huge thing in <laughs> – so – Larry Flint was one of the, and if you've seen the People versus Larry Flint, which we should probably watch and then do a podcast about. Oh, that would be great. Yeah, let's do that. He was under investigation for pornography, basically, and and he claimed that it was his First Amendment right to create this. And so, one of the things that is kind of important about Larry Flint was that in 1978 he was shot. The shooting in Lawrenceville, Georgia. Larry, he wounded Larry Flint's lawyer and left him paralyzed from the waist down. Years later, uh, no one was ever prosecuted for that. Hmm. But years later, Joseph Paul Franklin, who was serving two life sentences for race-related killings, 
and was later executed, confessed to the shootings, saying he was upset by Hustler's pictures of interracial sex. Interesting. So fucking racism once again. Ugh, terrible. Yes. Uh, Also, one more last really interesting thing about Larry Flint. The guy was a monster, but I kind of loved his kind of monsterism. Mm -hmm. Flint once wore a diaper made out of the U.S. flag to court. Yeah, to court. Uh, And and on another occasion was bound and gagged at the request of his own attorney after an obscene outburst. Oh, my God, that's hilarious. He was not on. It was not unheard of for him to walk in and just look at judges and say, fuck you. I can say what I want. First Amendment. So basically, he's pushing the boundaries in every sense of the like every way possible. His his motto was pornography is my business. Politics is my hobby. Oh, my God. Yeah, I can see that being trouble, but, you know, entertaining now. And this one I remember, uh, he, in 1998, he offered $1 million to anyone who could prove sexual impropriety by Republican members of Congress. At the time, that was when Republicans were after Monica Lewinsky and Bill Clinton. Mm-hmm. So he was offering a $1 million to anybody who could say that Republicans were doing bad the shit. The same, yeah. same thing. Yeah, yeah. And he's right. Republicans were doing the same bad shit. Just they yeah. were smart enough not to get caught at the time. Right, right. Yeah. So that's my little. Uh, that's fascinating. I love Larry it. Flint. Hmm? I like. Like, look. I'm going to be honest. I loved Hustler growing up as a kid. Hustler was the one. It was the first place where I ever saw menstrual blood. Was in a Hustler magazine, and it was a. It was a mock. I say mock quoting mock calendar, but it was showing women with mm. menstrual blood and I had never seen that as a, as a young man. And I was like, Whoa, <laughs> that's kind of hot. <laughs> uh, Hope you like the taste of pennies. I know. Right. Uh, it, it, the stories that were in hustler were much more entertaining. Yeah. The sex stories, they were really fascinating. So yeah, good stuff. Yeah. I miss hustler. <laughs> All right. Shall we move on to films? Oh, sure. Yeah. Do you, you have betcha. anything else on magazines? while we're here? I have nothing else on magazines. Okay. So moving on to films. Okay. The 1969 Blue Movie by Andy Warhol was the first adult erotic film depicting explicit sexual intercourse that had wide theatrical release in the U.S. That's fascinating. 1969. Well done, Andy Warhol. Yeah, but... Have you uh, ever seen it? No, I haven't. I haven't either. We should find that and talk about it as well. All right, we should watch that one. We need to make a list of these. Yes. (laughs) We'll do that. (laughs) Uh, But, so that was in 1969, but some of the very first erotic films... Uh, or films that were pornographic in nature are from the 1880s. So one of the first things that someone ever recorded in a motion picture was naked, I mean, I say in motion picture, but like in an erotic motion picture, were naked people doing ordinary things. So part of a surviving (laughs) film from 1880 shows a woman walking up and down steps, fully nude, and then returning to a strut as if on a catwalk. So quite ordinary, but to be nude doing it was like a big thing then. So when did you say that was? That was in the 18, that was in 1880. So that's interesting because I found that the first film was 1888. Yeah. So there were, um, there was an evolution of film and like, was like it, a moving picture kind yeah, of thing. Cause there was like, um, dry, was it dry plates? I think that were used at one point early, early on. And then the, um, the celluloid film came about in the mid 1880s Okay, and then that became more popularly used i think towards the late 1880s so that's probably kind of the evolution of what film actually looked like fair enough yeah 
because I had the first film was 1888. Okay. The first cinema was built in 1895. Mm. So it didn't take long. Yeah. Yeah, because also then continue on the 1890s. Uh, erotic films start really kind of kicked off after the invention of the, the motion picture, like with the wide release of the, using the motion picture in 1895 with Eugene Perot and Albert Kirchner. Uh, in 1896, La Couchère de la Marie uh, showed a striptease. Yes, yes. And then in 1896 also was the May Irwin kiss, which contained the first kiss on film. So it's funny. Like, that so, was what I'd found, was yeah. the May Irwin kiss. Uh, it was the first kiss on film. It was a 20-second, I don't know how much you have mm. on this. It was a 20-second film loop with a close-up of a nuzzling couple followed by a short peck on the lips. So basically, they were nuzzling each other's necks and then at the end of the 20 seconds, they kissed on the lips. The mysteries of the kiss revealed. The kissing scene was denounced as shocking and pornographic to early moviegoers and caused the Roman Catholic Church to call for censorship and moral reform because kissing in public at the time could lead to prosecution. Mm-hmm. So think about that. Just over 120 years ago, you could get arrested for kissing in public. Yeah. yeah. I think that's it's crazy. fascinating. Yes. Yeah, so you it, like it seemed like kind of once that that erotic film started in the 1880s and realistically more towards the late 1880s, it really kind of ramped up towards the end of the 1800s and then into the 1900s. Um, and then in the 1920s, more so in France and the U.S. than other places, but amateurs started illicitly producing films. Yeah. And so you kind of then would have you know, a more cornucopia of, of, of options out there. Um, but it's just so fascinating how it takes us just a little bit to push the envelope. And then it's like, oh, okay, actually, we really like this. Let's do more of this. Yeah, well, porn always drives technology. Mm-hmm. I mean, the, you, you look at the, the joke that we've all seen that meme where it shows the size of screens on your phone compared to the amount of porn on the Internet. The second we could start getting porn on our phones, of course, the screens get bigger. We want to be able to see it better. Well, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> of course. <laughs> so... Yeah. I've got something on film, but it's very recent. We're talking 2012-ish. 55% of all hotel visitors view adult films as in-room entertainment. This was as of 2012. So life has changed, of Mm -hmm, course. mm -hmm. Clearly, there's a lot more porn on the internet, a lot bigger phones, iPads, yada, yada, yada. 55% though. That was 10 years ago. Not quite 10 years ago. The really interesting thing about that was... 80% of in-room entertainment revenue came from adult films. Uh 70% of total in-room revenue came from adult films. So that's, that means that what 10% is the mini bar, Mm -hmm. which we already know that they're charging 50% extra on wines, beers, and that chocolate bar that you're really going to indulge on. But (laughs) so really, have you ever ordered a, uh, adult film from a from a hotel uh, that i had to pay for no gotcha. there was a little place on the side of the road in north carolina there was like a pay by the hour hotel and motel i don't know uh but they just had porn playing so you didn't pay for it it just yeah. was but no i've not paid for it in a hotel my ex-brother and sister-in-law talked about a place that they stayed somewhere on the outskirts of louisville kentucky where they 
there was a switch on the wall and you flipped the switch on the wall and it changed what was on the TV from normal television to porn. <laughs> so basically you flip the switch and it was normal TV and then you could go through in all the channels, but then you could flip the switch and it was porn and you could still go through all the channels. <laughs> and it was just porn channels. I, was like, I love it. It's like bizarro world, but porn. Can you imagine like some child finding that though and like flipping the switch? Uh, I'm pretty sure that children weren't allowed in these kind of okay. hotels. Okay. <laughs> well, you never know. You never know. That's accurate. That's accurate. Uh, so the other, only other thing I have, it's not really film, but I think it's interesting. And I think that we can chat about it and then lead us into the break. Okay. So we all remember, some of us remember in, I think it was 2003, maybe 2004. It had to be 2004. We're going to say it's 2004. When Janet Jackson had mm-hmm. the infamous wardrobe malfunction. Nip slip. With Justin Timberlake. Mm-hmm. That was the uh, Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. Yes. Yep. So Janet Jackson's nipple appeared on screen live for, I'm going to wait for people at home to try to figure out how long it was. Do you remember? Because I think I told you already. You told me, and I remember it was a stupidly low number that was like less than a second. It was on screen for nine sixteenths of a second, just over half a second. Which is crazy because it caused such a stir. And I'm pretty sure we all saw it for much more than nine sixteenths of a second as everybody slowed it down and replayed it. But for half a second. Yes. Just over, yeah. So, just so you can get some idea on time, a blink is 15 milliseconds. Mm-hmm. Orgasms tend to be between 13 and 51 seconds. So, long, depending on your gender. Oh, much longer than the nip slip. Yeah. yeah. So, look, the, the point is, the nip slip was very fast. She was also wearing a nipple piercing that looked like a sun, so it covered most of her areola and nipple. Mm -hmm. It's come out that she didn't know that it was going to happen, but somebody told Justin Timberlake to rip. It's like it happened to her, but she didn't realize it was going to happen. Justin Timberlake thought something would happen, but he thought her bra was going to be on. Mm -hmm. So the, the long and short of it sounds like, and this is all hearsay, according to By the By podcast, Mm -hmm. that she was told not to wear a bra. She wouldn't need it. Looked better without a bra. He was told to rip her costume because she was going to be wearing a bra and everything would be fine. It sounds like there's a conspiracy. It's a conspiracy. And ultimately, she was the one that suffered more than anyone else in all of this. Mm-hmm. However, the FCC, for this 916th of a second, fined CBS $550,000. That's crazy. Ultimately, the Court of Appeals struck it down to zero. Right. But that's now why there's a delay on every show. Uh, and How long is the delay? Do you know? Uh, it's a couple of seconds. It's three. Okay. To f- I think it's three seconds okay. from live or something like that. I don't know. People out there would probably know better than me. It doesn't matter. But it's long enough so that if somebody ripped a nipple out, they could uh, cut to something uh, else. Don't, don't rip a nipple out. <laughs> <laughs> whip. If they could whip okay. a nipple out. Sorry, I did say rip, but I meant whip. Uh, if they whip a nipple out, then they could cover it. Right, right. So poor Janet Jackson really did suffer from, from oh, yeah. this. She, And then when you look at future 
uh, future future Super Bowl halftime shows. I don't remember the number, but it, it took them a good six years, seven years before another lady was allowed to perform. It was all men from then on for a while. I know, right? Well, Roll course, your eyes. Well, also because like you know, men can show their nipples and. and it's- fucking fine Why? nobody ever said anything about justin and he didn't apologize until it was just a few years ago that he actually mm. apologized for it finally but anyway th- another interesting part of this is youtube co-founder uh jawed jawed yeah jawed i don't jared but it's spelled j-a-w-e-d uh kareem credits the incident with leading to the creation of the video sharing website youtube the incident also made Janet Jackson the most searched person and term of 2004 and 2005. The incident broke the record for, quote, most searched event over one day. Wow. The incident became the most watched, recorded, and replayed television moment in TiVo history. <laughs> does anybody out there remember TiVo? It, does TiVo still exist? Yeah, I don't think it does. I loved my TiVo. God damn, I loved that <laughs> box. Like, honestly, if I could have fucked a box, it would have been that one. <laughs> and es- enticed an estimated 35,000 new TiVo subscribers to sign up, you know, just in case. Wow. The term, quote, wardrobe malfunction was coined as a result of the incident and was eventually added to the Merriam-Webster's Collegiate Dictionary. Oh, my God. That's hilarious. So. Wow. Yeah. All over a half a second of boobage. Mm-hmm. That was mostly covered anyway. Boobs are evil. You know that. Especially the nipples. The nipples are the absolute worst part. Is that where the evil gets shot from? It is. Yeah, pew, yeah. pew. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got some evil in my eye. Oh, no. It's just milk. <laughs> milk milk lemonade from the tits is where evil's made oh, wow is that right is sure. that how it goes let's, let's go with that i don't know let's go with that <laughs> major boobage <laughs> if i if i was a military officer it'd be major boobage oh god i would god yeah you would legally change your name wouldn't you I, oh my god <laughs> i should can i do that bradford boobage no major is a great name oh, okay. first name hi oh. my name's major major boobage <laughs> It's great. Oh my god! I'm gonna be poor, but I'll be happy. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> oh my god. Okay. Uh, do we have anything else on film or uh, motion picture pornage? No. Let's go to a brief break and then come back with more. That sounds fantastical. <laughs> Are you lonely? No. (laughs) Is every hole that you have fulfilled? Uh, Mostly. If you're looking for love in all the wrong places, start looking in the right places. Go to altplayground.net and find somebody to fill your holes. Find somebody's holes to fill or both at the same time. Why not both? You can do the 1691 at home <laughs> with your new friends that you found on altplayground.net. They are the premier dating site for swingers, open relationships, polyamorous, and all the sexy motherfuckers in between. So go 
fill out your little form, create your profile, put a picture or two up, tell people that you've been vaccinated or just fucking wear a mask. It's cool. I don't not going to judge you, but go to allplayground.net. Find a play partner in your area or an area to which you soon will be traveling. Now that you can travel again in the U.S., I hate you motherfuckers. Anyway, <laughs> what we, we still can't travel down here. But go to altplayground.net, find a friend, and uh, then send us a message and tell us about how, uh, how, you, how much fun you had. Mm-hmm. We want to know. If you are still at home and just want to be at home and you don't really want anybody else to help you, go to adamandeve.com. That's a place where you can find a toy that will fill your every hole or a hole for you to stick your dick in. That's fine, too. Go to adamandeve.com, but when you do, take that item that you want, put it in your basket, use the checkout code BYTHEBUY, that's B-Y-T-H-E-B-I, and you will get that toy at 50% off. You'll get it shipped to yourself discreetly and freely. That's the important word. And you'll also get six videos on demand that you can watch with you and or no one else. That's fine, too. And some extra stuff thrown in just to play around with. It's good stuff. adamandeve.com. Use the checkout code by the by. That's B Y T H E B I. I just want to say if you listen to this podcast and don't listen to the hard work that I put in every week to make the commercials exciting, fuck you. Well, they, yeah, they change a little bit every week. Just, yeah. Look, I basically improv the commercials. It's great. I have fun. Yeah. yeah. And occasionally I'll chuck something in there. Not well, often, but you know. I was going to say, really what? <laughs> <laughs> Angela's like, God damn it, Bradford, it's by the by. God, he's an idiot. <laughs> it's altplayground.net, you fool. <laughs> Sometimes I get excited and I forget who I'm, I'm, I'm pitching. The only things that I consistently pitch, tents. Uh-huh. I was going to say your balls. I don't pitch my ball. Oh, dude, you know, sometimes. <laughs> My pendulous balls. Uh-huh, uh-huh, that's it. Yeah, the pendulous. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Anyway. Okay. What do we got next? So next I would like to talk about literature. So erotic literature. I didn't know reading was part of the deal. I didn't read this week's assignment. I got to be honest. That's okay. I've got some, what I think is interesting stuff here. One, I think. One in particular. Okay. I'm, I'm keen. Okay. So in the 17th century, pornographic or erotic literature began to circulate. So at 1600s is when they started to have okay. literature, which is pretty uh, fucking good. I would love to read some 1600 I know, porn. wouldn't you? We'll have to see if we can find it. I could have found some. I just want to read it. Well, if we can find it. Uh, one of the first ones was L'Ecole des Filles. A, I'm sorry. You're going to have to spell work. that for our friends at home. L apostrophe E-C-O-L-E D-E-S. F-I-L-L-E-S. And that's girls. So, of girls, of the girls. I don't know what l'école is. L'école? L'école des filles? I don't know. It's a French work that was printed in 1655. So, if we can find that, we can read it. We'll have to read it in French. I've started working on French, but my French is not going to be that good. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, But this one is considered to be, like, the beginning of pornography in France. So, it contains... An illustrated dialogue between two women, a 16-year-old and her more worldly cousin, and their explicit discussions about sex. Nice. So that's... Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, 
all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hello. Pretty pretty good for the mid sixteen hundreds, I feel like. So I, I will say I found the first paragraph. I'll read the first paragraph and then people at home can tell me if we should continue on. Okay. It's in English. So okay. don't don't right. get stressed out if your French <laughs> if your sixteenth century French is poor. Um that's okay. That's fine. <clears throat> My beautiful and curious girls, the following instructions are very important for you because they contain the fundamentals that make for a happy marriage. They teach you all the infallible means to satisfy your husbands, if you're going to have any. <laughs> they also give you the necessary wisdom that will cause men to love you, even if the freshness of early youth has left you. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> oh my God. That's great. Uh, so the, the second paragraph, it's short. Do so with the greatest possible discretion so as not to shock people of good society. There is nothing so precious for a young lady as her honor and reputation. A girl without honor is like a girl without clothes. Remember that. You must always use your intelligence to keep your reputation intact. But not your hymen. <laughs> I added that last part. I, was say, I hope you added that. <laughs> oh God, I'm sorry. I got one more paragraph. I got to read. All I just right, scanned ahead. Right. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I know Angela's like God damn no, it, no. Bradford. Yeah, go for it. Oh, this. <laughs> do we actually to, need to read the book now? I'm going to try to do this without laughing. That piss instrument is not always called a prick, but also the male member. The joystick, the arrow of Cupid, the cock, or the love muscle. When a boy is nude, one can see that thing hang quite limply below his belly, like the teat from the udder of a cow. At the same place where the boy has his prick, we have a hole for urinating. Then, below and behind the prick, there are two little balls within a little sack of skin. They are indeed called balls or nuts, but you must never pronounce the word before people. Balls are very sensitive to the touch and feel like a pair of big Spanish olives when you take them very gently into your hand. This is fucking brilliant. Okay, I need to find a copy of this and read it. Like, I, <laughs> this is great. Oh my God. It goes on. Uh, it continues, but I will not tell you more about right. a man's prick. Right. Okay. Well, we're going to have to find this and actually read it. Such joy. I'm sorry. I feel like I commandeered your podcast. I feel like this could be one that we could read aloud to each other. <laughs> Just take turns. Yes. Uh -huh. We'll have to record it and let people know how. Uh -huh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. How let's, we enjoy we'll do that. Uh, okay. So moving on from the French. <laughs> if we can move on from the French. Are we going to parlay vous someone else's Francais? Uh-huh. That's okay. it. So I've actually got a lot here about this one. So hang in there. Okay. So Fanny Hill 
or Memoirs of a Woman of Pleasure by John Cleland was published in 1748. Uh, I will go over in a moment what it's about, but it was the first original English prose or novel of pornography. Okay. So it was in the UK. Fanny Hill is one of the most prosecuted and banned books in history. It covers bisexuality, voyeurism, group sex, masochism, and a whole suite of other topics. Right up my alley. I know. So the author was arrested and charged with corrupting the king's subjects. <laughs> and the novel was banned in both the UK and the US until after World War II, and it was banned in Singapore until 2015. So it's Wow, the, until 2015. Yeah. So the synopsis of it, and there's there's more I'm going to talk about in a second, but the synopsis of it is that, I'm just going to read this from uh, uh, one of the book-selling websites. Forced by the death of her parents to seek her fortune in London, Fanny Hill is duped into prostitution by an old procurus. In Mrs. Brown's bawdy house, the naive young woman begins her sexual initiation, progressing from innocence to curiosity and desire, and soon embarks on her own path in pursuit of pleasure until she at last finds true love. So that's the the basic synopsis of it, um, but it it was like I said, it was banned in the U.S. and in the U.K. Uh, and it started to be printed and sold again in the U.S. in 1963. So the publisher had already pushed some boundaries uh, with other works previously, and they were very happy to do so and to go to court and fight some of these things. So the publisher was charged with obscenity and took the case to the U.S. Supreme Court, which I'm very happy to think that the U.S. Supreme Court had to read this book in order to rule on it, yeah. right? You know, uh, So can you imagine being on the U.S. Supreme Court and like, here, you have to read some porn for this case. All right. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You like that justice? Yeah. But in 1966, the Supreme Court ruled six to three that Fannie Hill was not obscene and therefore protected by the First Amendment. Previously, the court had ruled that obscene works had to be utterly without redeeming social value. And Justice William Brennan argued in his majority opinion that Fanny Hill's historical and literary importance gave it social value. The dissenting Justice Tom Clark, meanwhile, complained, in his opinion, that the underage Fanny was nothing but a harlot. <laughs> Goddamn, he was, had to be Republican. Yeah. So what year did that book come out? It, 1748 was when it was first published. So that's really interesting because I was wondering if Fanny... So for our oh, American yeah. listeners, you don't say the words fanny pack because fanny is a synonym for pussy in both the UK and Australia. Mm -hmm. And I was wondering in the, if in the Queen's English, in the Queen's English. Yeah. And I was wondering if that is part of the reason. But I just did a quick search and it was etymology on fanny, meaning uh, sexual intercourse or the buttocks or female genitalia, both in Britain, Ireland, Australia, New Zealand is from the 1830s. So it was before yeah. that. So my guess is... No, yeah, the book was before that. When was the book? 1748. Okay, 1748. So that means that it just so happened that her name was Fanny. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I wonder if that sort of led to... Somewhere in... Somewhere along yeah, the way. Yeah. Because, yeah, the female genitalia is from the 1830s. Her dress was so short you could see her Fanny. Yeah, uh, maybe, I don't know. Yeah. Also, if you're ever in the UK or in Australia, say you've got a fanny pack and just watch them. They they get so uncomfortable. <laughs> they it's cringe. Yeah. 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 People cringe. They call them bum bags. Anyway. Yeah. There you go. Um, so, yeah. So I thought that was really fascinating and like how much that book was, I mean, just hated and or like, you know, 
you're going to corrupt people because of this one book. I mean, realistically, though, there have been other books that have corrupted people more than that book. You know, like the Bible. Mm-hmm. No, I was just thinking that. Yeah. But <laughs> <laughs> I'm tush. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Anyway. Yeah, but anyway, so apparently it's protected by the First Amendment. That is yeah, fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Do you have anything on literature? I do not. I have more stuff on visual porn. Okay, let's do that. What do you have? So, and I guess I should have done this when we were talking about film. Yeah, who's not organized? Well, arguably this is more <laughs> of the science behind porn. Okay. So this isn't about like movies, but it is about while viewing porn, mm-hmm. men tend to focus on a woman's eyes and lips over breasts or genitals. Interesting. So they really cool. I saw the science on how they did this. They put this box on your head and then they put these like laser camera things on your eyes and then they show you porn and expect you to to enjoy it, which is really funny. But what it does is it follows it tracks your eyes as to exactly within millimeters of what you're looking at. And so during this porn, you're staring at women's eyes or lips. Hmm. And I will say, I have found myself after seeing this kind of focusing on where am I looking when I can see a full body? And it is often the face. I can't tell you it's the lips, but it's often the face. Mm -hmm. So, and that's not to say they don't look at like the rest of the body, but that's where they're focusing the majority of the time. What is interesting about this is researchers speculate that men look at women's faces to determine how turned on a woman is. Which also makes sense. Flushing of the neck, the the eyes, the biting of the lip, the intensity. It's really kind of interesting. Which also means they're not looking at the rest of the body language. But a lot of it does come from the face. Well, the problem is the rest of the body language is bouncing up and down so hard. It's hard to see what exactly (laughs) it's doing. Uh, (laughs) Going straight to hell. While men tend to become aroused by specific stimuli, for straight women, women. For homosexual men, men, mm-hmm. women experience arousal after viewing pretty much any kind of sexual stimuli, including guy on girl, uh-huh. guy on guy, mm-hmm. girl on girl, and bonobo monkeys. <laughs> I loved that study. So I can understand that because like the first time that we watched like furry porn together and which was the first time I'd ever seen it. And it's one of those like watching this and it was it was both the watching and the sound, but it still turned me on, even though I didn't expect it to, because it's not something that I was used to. It's not something that I thought inherently would turn me on. But there's just something about sex, whatever is doing it, that kind of does yeah, it's pretty hot. I did find that really interesting, though, that men have a specific stimuli. Mm. They they want to see what they want to see. Whereas women are like, I'm not into this, but I'm turned on. <laughs> hey, hey, the body wants what the body wants. Yeah, I'm, not into, I'm, I'm not into this, but I'm still kind of into this. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to be that picky. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, eh, beggars can't be choosers. Let's just get off to this. I, I loved that. I thought that was a great study. Mm-hmm. And then... Finally, the last little fact tidbit thing that I have is in 2012, I've got an age group of people that consume the most pornography and one that consumes the least pornography. Okay. What year was this? 2012. Okay. 
I don't know how wide the brackets are, but I'm going to uh, assume the least pornography is, let's say, oh, late 30s, early 40s. Okay. And then the most, I would say, is late 50s, early 60s. Interesting. Completely wrong. Yeah. People aged 35 to 44 uh-huh. consume the most pornography. Oh. oh. Midlife crisis? <laughs> Maybe. People aged 18 to 24 uh-huh. consume the least. Wow. Yeah, because really? they're actually having sex. Well, okay, fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I thought that was fascinating. I thought, see, I said But it that, kind of makes sense. Well, I just figured that, like, in the mid, mid, so, like, the 35 to 44 range, you would, like, people are busy with families and this, that, and the other, and, like, life pressures. And I, I, But I guess that's when maybe you're not having as much sex, so maybe you're consuming more porn. But that's the thing. When you have those life pressures and other things going on, you can fill any free time that you have with porn. Now, you may not be able to fill the free time you have with your partner and actually have sex. Yeah. So, you just consume porn. Okay, fair Because enough. it's a lot faster. Yeah. So... That makes sense. If yeah. you wanted to masturbate, you could masturbate, definitely masturbate very easily without porn. But I think that adding porn really speeds up the process. No, doesn't matter what gender you are. You're going to get off faster, I think, from consuming porn than you are from consuming your own recollections. Your own fantasies and things yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, it makes sense when you think about it. Yeah. I just didn't think about it. So. No. It's, I, mean, <laughs> I saw that though and I was, I was very surprised because I assumed I assumed erroneously that younger people would consume more porn. Well, I thought about that, but then I was like, that seems too obvious, so it can't be. Well, but, I feel like I consume more porn now than I did. Oh, for sure. I in do. my 20s and 30s. I do. Yeah. Yeah. Which is weird. Mm-hmm. It's also easier. I also though. say it's, it's for my job. Well, it's also easier, yeah. right? Cause, well, yeah, it's, yeah, that's right. Yeah. You go to the toilet, what are you doing? Oh, all right, let's look at yeah. some porn. Yeah, it's a lot more available now than it was, you know, like when we were teenagers and yeah. stuff. Yeah. Gifts. Um, not that it was that long ago, but still. <laughs> Half a lifetime ago, babe. Half a <laughs> lifetime ago. <laughs> Yeah. In fact, if you cut my age in half, I'm still not a teenager. Mm-hmm. Hashtag old. <laughs> Early 20s. Yeah, Early 20s. not a teenager, yeah, though. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fair enough. Anyway. Okay. So moving on to law. Okay. Ooh, I like. No, I don't. <laughs> uh, okay. So the first law to criminalize pornography was the English Obscene Publications Act in 1857 in the UK and Ireland. And it said that selling obscene materials was a statutory offense and courts could seize and destroy the material. Now, my guess is they looked at it before they <laughs> destroyed it. But you know. I just need to check this out before I destroy it. I'm going to go into this other room. Please don't open the door because I'm going to be checking this out and making sure it's like really gross shit. Uh, but don't open the door and then I'll destroy it. <laughs> like 15 minutes later, the guy comes out all sweaty, got calluses on his hands. He's like, whoa, that shit was nasty. <laughs> Uh, Everything okay over there, Jebediah? <laughs> yeah. Woo. Yeah. Woof. Man, I got my goat on that one. You did the goat one? <laughs> I wanted to do the goat one. Sorry. Oh, my God. Okay. Straight to hell. And then uh, in 1868, the Hicklin test came about from a UK court case. It was somebody v. Hicklin. I 
could look it up, but whatever. <laughs> uh, basically, it says that a material is deemed obscene if it tends to deprave and corrupt those whose minds are open to such immoral influences, regardless of its artistic or literary merit. Hmm. Yeah. Sounds like a kind of a depressing son of a bitch. Well, it's also, I mean, it's quite broad, right? So it's, if it tends to deprave and corrupt those whose minds are open to such immoral influences. But who's to say whose minds are open to the influences and whose are? Oh, that's a really good point. I will say my mind is open to depra- depravity. <laughs> I I feed on it, in fact. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> so those were both in the UK. Uh, and then in the U.S. in 1873, they had the Comstock Act. Oh, I remember this. Yep. In which, do you know what it is? Oh, fuck. I remember, I remember the Comstock Act. So I remembered it has something to do with mail, but I couldn't have told you what. Oh, that's right. You cannot send pornographic information via the post. Yeah. It's illegal to send obscene, lewd, and or lascivious material through the mail. <sighs> that's, I yep. do remember. When was that? 1873? 1873 fascinating mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and in 1969 denmark was the first country to abolish censorship thereby decriminalizing pornography huh so yay denmark well done denmark no scandinavians they're the best so yay for denmark yay for denmark ahead of the game there you know i mean 1969 it, at least you know there were there was still a bit of sexual revolution going on and they were kind of right there in that uh, and in 1973, the U.S. Supreme Court voted to narrow the definition of obscenity to meet a three-pronged test, including whether it lacks serious literary, artistic, political, or scientific value, which okay. seems pretty – I feel like they give you a lot of rope there. Yes, but does much porn fall in that? Artistic? Okay, artistic I'll accept. I mean, artistic's pretty broad, especially when you come to things like pornography, right? When you come to things like <laughs> pornography. I mean, you can't write that shit, Angela. Oh, my God. So it looks like this stems from Roth v. United States, uh, okay. in which uh, Roth ruled that obscene material was not protected by the First Amendment and could be regulated by the states rather than a singular federal standard. Uh, so this established a new judicial standard for defining obscenity that invoked the average person's application of contemporary community standards to judge whether or not the dominant theme in the material was obscene or not. So you have to take it as a whole, not as pieces and parts. Okay. Um, so there's a actually so this says there's a five part structure that was defined here. It's the perspective of evaluation was that of an ordinary reasonable person. Uh, two, community standards of acceptability were to be used to measure obscenity. Three, works whose predominant theme was questionable were the only target of obscenity laws. Uh, four, a work in order to be evaluated for obscenity had to be taken in its entirety. And five, an obscene work was one that aimed to excite an individual's prurient interest. I don't know what that word means. I don't either. Look right. it up. I will look it up right now. Hang on. Prurient. Adjective. Having or encouraging an excessive interest in sexual matters, especially the sexual activities of others, like our podcast. Right. There you go. Yeah. We are a prurient podcast. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Similar, salacious, (laughs) licentious, voyeuristic. I like it. 
Cool. Lecherous. I like yeah, that. Okay. He's, it's got some great synonyms yeah, yeah. is yeah. all I'm saying. <laughs> uh, interesting. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, yeah. So I, I really like like when the stuff goes to the Supreme Court. I mean, it's important, so I guess, that it You does just go. like it because the Supreme Court justices all have to read porn. That's yeah, all you like. It is. It is. That is. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. it. I mean, they do anyway, right? Everybody does at some point. Well, yeah. It's just that they have to do it for work. I mean, can you imagine? I just want to imagine Ruth Bader Ginsburg in her little sexy doily reading porn and like, <laughs> I'm into uh-huh. this. I, I, she kinda, you know she would be. She was one of them wild children. I uh-huh. love her. Uh-huh. Bless her heart and rest her soul. Anyway, uh, do you have any other facts? Yeah, go ahead. I have one final kind of weird fact. I like weird. These are weird. So I was, <laughs> as you are, I was interested in how people consume porn. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter if it's written or pictures or moving pictures. Mm-hmm. Then I was interested in, so are you, I mean, look, we're looking at porn mostly on technical devices. And I was looking at traffic, porn traffic, by phone, desktop, or tablet okay. across, the, across the world. And realistically, all I'm really interested in is, sorry, world, U.S. and Australia. So in 2020, 83% of people consume it on their phone. I'm not surprised. 13% on their desktop and whatever. Was that 2% on tablets? Four. You are correct because math. In Australia, 74% on their phones. 19% 19% on their desktop, 6% on their tablets. So I find that interesting because I thought tablets would be above desktop. I did too. I only consume my porn on a phone or a tablet. Yeah. So I am not in the desktop community. So then the question is, let's break it down. You're on a phone. Are you on an Android or an Apple phone? Because let's, you know, like those are the only two real leaders worldwide. Mm-hmm. If you are in... Australia, New Zealand, our three finger states up in up in uh, Europe, the UK or the US or Greenland, you're on most likely an Apple phone. Mm. Everywhere else, almost all of Asia, most of Europe, all of Africa, all of South America and Mexico, Android. Mm. If you want to zoom in a little farther, and look in at just the U.S., all the 50 states. Of the 50 states, only three have the majority not being iOS slash Apple phones. Oof. I don't think I could even guess which three. I'm, there's no reason you would have guessed these three. It's almost as if they picked them by random. Like I would Oklahoma, Vermont, and Idaho? <laughs> they're just as random, but none of those are correct. <laughs> They are Oregon, Ohio, and Virginia. Weird. I'd love to know why. Why are those three just tipping the scales to Android over hmm. iOS? I thought that was fascinating. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. I just wanted to see. Uh, if you are curious about, you know, again, your operating system and your traffic, how hmm. much porn you're consuming, and if you're in the majority. So uh, iOS users are 468 Android 52.9 Okay. when you look at porn. Yeah. So, yeah, I just wanted to see uh, 
how how I'm not surprised that phone comes up the most. I am surprised by the tablet to desktop ratios. Uh, and then the whole states thing. That's really fascinating. Why three? So then if you want to dig a little deeper in the porn community, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and if you are an Apple user, because most people in the U.S. are, and you wanted to see what people were searching for when they when they Google it, mm-hmm. according to Pornhub, this is. Um, most people are searching for car sex. Followed by fat ass, fingering, vibrator, college, lesbian, Latina, blonde, ebony, Kim Kardashian, riding, thribbing, tribbing, tribbing? What the fuck is tribbing? Threesome, ebony, lesbians, big booty, BBC, dirty talk, missionary, reverse cowgirl. Probably not with commas. I'm pretty sure these are all separate searches. So there you go. What is tribbing? Oh, scissoring. Wow. We had to come up with a new word for scissoring. Was yeah, there a problem with scissoring? Tri- tribidism. Or tribbing, commonly known by its scissoring position, is a lesbian sexual practice in which a woman rubs her vulva against her partner's body for sexual stimulation, especially for stimulation of the clitoris. So maybe it's not necessarily against another woman's vulva. Maybe that's it. Maybe it's against, like, you know, like um, your leg or some other part. Okay. I don't know. I'm just guessing. Um, because if it's like scissoring, but it does say against another body part. Okay. Against her partner's body for sexual stimulation. It can include vulva-to-vulva contact or rubbing the vulva against partner's thigh, stomach, buttocks, arm, or other body part. So there you go. So I want to close this podcast out with one last little fascinating piece of trivia, mm-hmm. which is if you go to pornhub.com slash insights, like that's a rabbit hole you will never crawl your eyes <laughs> of. Pornhub very kindly like they're a, they're a horrible corporation that steals from people, but they provide data, and I really like their data. Yeah. And while I don't consume my porn there, I do consume their data. <laughs> uh, well, at least they provide you with something. Brian. They provide me with something. And this last fact is about Super Mario. Okay. Super Mario's All-Stars. When you go to Pornhub and Super Mario character searches based on on Pornhub Mm -hmm. because people search I mean look if rule 34 Mm -hmm. what characters are the most searched for characters on Pornhub from the Mario universe it's gotta be Wario Princess Peach Luigi I don't know so you picked my first three (laughs) But alas, <laughs> Mario is number one. Well, okay, that makes sense. Followed by Princess Peach. Uh-huh. This is where it gets weird. Bowsette. Oh, Bowser. oh, I can see that. Yes. Rosalina. Uh-huh. And Bowser. Those are the top five. Oh, I can see Bowsette. Yeah, yeah. Fucking Luigi, my favorite Mario character, like doesn't even make the top ten. He's 11. <laughs> okay. Fucking Luigi. So then they actually go deeper as they should, because it's a porn website. And they show you the characters searched together. Because as you do, you don't want to see Mario fucking Toad. You don't want to see Bowser fucking Birdo. You want to see what you want to see. And what is that? Number one, Mario and Princess Peach. Okay, yeah. A match made in heaven. It's romantic. Right. Number two, Princess Peach and Princess Daisy. Because, you know, Mm -hmm. Mario's out saving the princess in another castle. 
So Peach got to do something. You got to entertain yourself somehow. Then Princess Peach and Bowser, the classic cuckolding uh-huh. situation. Mario and Bowsette and Mario and Rosalina. I feel really bad for Princess Daisy. Why does Princess Daisy and Mario not get a chance? Just saying. <laughs> well, in your world, they can, Bradford. So there you go. There mm-hmm. is, uh, and trust me, there are plenty, plenty of data on Super Mario and the and the Pornhub population. Uh-huh. Yeah. So go check out www.pornhub.com slash insights, and you can find all the sick, wonderful, <laughs> delightful. I feel like after this podcast, we should go search Mario and Bowsette. Also, make sure you have a lot of time on your hands before you do that. I really want to see this. I'm going to Google this. Mario okay. and Bowsette. I want okay. to see them. All right. All right. Yeah. Sounds good. Let's do it. I'm, I'm, it'd be even better if she, if she pegged Mario. Well, let's go do it. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's find it. Yeah. Uh, Thank you very much for sitting through this podcast with us. If you liked this episode, let us know. If you want to email us, theadamsoflove at gmail.com or any of our socials, we are at By the By Podcast on Instagram and on Facebook and on Twitter. Shoot us a message or speak to us directly on our Discord chat. You can get there by supporting us on Patreon, www.patreon.com slash By the By Podcast. Once you become a member, you can join our Discord chat. And talk to us directly every day of your life. I know. We have a members only chat coming up in June on June 13th. On June 13th or June 12th, depending on where you are in the world. Yes. So it's June 13th. And if you're in Australia and just midnight if you're in the UK. And it is uh, the afternoon slash evening of June 12th, depending on where you are in the US. There so you go. If you're on Discord, you'll know. Yeah. Well, we've already sent you a message, but we'll try to figure out a way to to make it more clear for all of our users. Uh, how do we do this? We do a big Zoom chat. So we you don't have to have your camera on, but you'll see us and the gentleman. Hopefully, we're trying to get him in. So you'll be able to chat with us. We don't record it. We're not going to record it this time. It's just a, no. hey, how you going? Let's do a little meet and greet and, and talk to each other and tell each other sexy, fun stories, what we love about the podcast, what we hate about the podcast. And uh, yeah, what are we doing right now? And what sexy things we want to do to each what other? What sexy things uh-huh. do we want to do to each other? And look... Dollars to donut. Angela will get her tits out. I may do a little dance. It's it's just what you do on these things. So if you want to become part of our team, go to patreon.com slash by the Bob podcast and uh, support us there. Angela, any last thoughts that you want to throw out to our sexy listeners? Thank you very much for sticking with us. Yeah, thanks. See you next time. Bye. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 